All right. We are in, uh, in week two of a new series called Abundant Life Skills. Abundant Life Skills. There are basic life skills that we need to have in order to be able to function in this world, right? Like you've got, got to be able to learn how to do your dishes and, and make some food that's going to be decent for you. You can only live so long on gum, gummy bears and Diet Coke, you know. And, and so you've got to be able to make some decent food, clean the kitchen. You've got to learn how to do your laundry, you know, so everything doesn't come out pink. You know, I had that experience uh, several decades ago. All my whites were pinks uh, in my freshman year of college, which was not so great. But, uh, um, you know, you got to learn how to manage your finances, get the bills paid on time. You know, how do you, how do, you do all these different things? There's all these life skills that we need to develop, communication skills, you know, work skills, all these basic life skills that we need to have. But as believers, we're called to live abundant life. We're called to live uh, the blessings of God. And so we need to develop skills in order to do that as well. We need to have what I'm calling abundant life skills. And so I'm going to read a couple of promises in the scriptures that are amazing, amazing promises. And uh, then we're going to talk about... Abundant life skills. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. So don't forget my commands, keep them in your heart. They will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. The word uh, in Hebrew that's translated prosperity here in the NIV is the word shalom which is peace, and it means that everything's going well, that family's doing good, everybody loves each other, there's peace at home. It means that you're not running out of money, you're paying your bills, it's working out financially. It means that you're healthy and and you're not in a lot of pain and that sort of a thing. Shalom, peace, it's a very inclusive type of peace. And here in the NIV translated, prosperity. This is an amazing promise that you would have longer life and better life, increased quality and quantity of life. Who doesn't want that? Sounds good to me. Then we go to the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus is speaking, and he's, in, he's uh, discussing a bunch of different things, and he says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. The King James. And have it more abundantly. And that's where the name of this series comes from. Abundant life skills. To have life. Have it to the full. Have it more abundantly. That's what we want to have. Now. Just because we've read these verses. Do we all have abundant life? Do we all have long life and prosperity? Boom. We read the verses. Must have it. Now, there's something in between there, right? We need to develop the abundant life skills in order to be able to apprehend the abundant life of God. Amen? So if we don't develop the skills, we'll just read the promises and then be frustrated because our life isn't matching up with the promises. Because we're seeing these wonderful things that should be coming to pass, but they're not. Because we don't have the abundant life skills that we need in order to grab hold of them. And so last week, our abundant life skill was to hear 
and follow Jesus. To hear and to follow Jesus, and that's faith. To hear and follow Jesus. It's not enough just to hear. To hear and ignore Jesus is not an abundant life skill. That's just a road to frustration and difficulty. To hear and then to follow is an abundant life skill that in the, in the scriptures is called faith. Faith in God. This week, we're going to talk about self-identity. Understanding who you are and all the things that deal with that. So let's, let's pray again and we'll get into the new material this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to see what you've got for us today. Help us to grab hold of who you meant for us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Self-identity. How you see yourself will have a huge effect on the life that you get to live. How you see yourself, how you understand who you are, will have a huge impact on the life you get to live. Uh, I've heard people describe this in different ways. One way that Dave Williams says it is he says, your inner kingdom will become your outer kingdom. The stuff that's in here over time will be the stuff that's out there. What you've got going on on the inside of you will eventually be on the outside of you. For example, here's a good one. We had a building addition on the inside of us, right? <laughs> it was a daydream. It was a hope. It was, it was a need. And we kept talking about it. We kept believing for it. We kept waiting and expecting. And now it seems like it's happening pretty fast. But boy, it's been a long road to get there, right? How about if somebody feels like, you know what, I, I belong in college, I should get a college degree. That's who I am, that's what I should have. They've got that in their heart, they know it's in there. And then they hit a significant roadblock that causes a problem in their education. They run out of money, whatever the case may be. What are they going to do? They're going to say, well, that's a roadblock, but this is who I am, I'm going to get it. And they go and take it, and they get themselves their degree. What if... On the inside, they think to themselves, well, I know I really don't deserve to go to college. I'm really not that type of person. I'm not that smart. Um, But hey, if it all works out, that'd be awesome. And then they go down that same road as the other person. And then when that big trial comes, that difficulty comes, what would they do? Like, well, I knew it. I I knew I wasn't good enough for this. And they're going to quit. And so the self-image of the person determines whether they overcome or whether they crumble. Whether they are able to see it through or whether they just accept defeat. Self-image is huge. Your inner kingdom becomes your outer kingdom. And Keith Moore says it this way. Which, and this is a trick question, so be careful. I know you want to yell out. You're, you're in church and you want to be noisy and that sort of thing. And I appreciate that because I always preach better when there's noise, you know, because uh, it's that whole quiet, nervous thing is a bad deal. But uh, be careful. You think this through before you shout out your answers. Which word is most powerful in your life? Your word 
somebody else's word or God's word? Which one is the most powerful in your life? The answer is it's the one that you believe. The one that you believe is the one that's most powerful. If when you were six years old, somebody came up to you who you cared about and respected and said, you're not ever going to amount to anything. You're a worthless human being. I wish you were never born. And you believe that, that word will be very, very powerful in your life. It's a lie, but it will be powerful. Now, which word is the most true? Your word, someone else's word, or God's word? God's word is the most true. We need to believe this one so that it can be powerful in our lives. Instead, if we believe a lie, I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm worthless, whatever the lie may be, then we make the lie powerful instead of the truth of God. We need the truth to be powerful. Your inner kingdom becomes your outer kingdom and the, the word you believe is the one that's the most powerful. We need that word to be the word that's true, that's real, so that can be powerful. So how do you see yourself? Do you think of yourself as a good person who sometimes makes mistakes or a bad person who sometimes does good things? <laughs> do you see yourself as pretty I feel pretty. Um, I've always said I look my best in bad lighting, and I think that's true. Uh, do, you, do you see yourself as pretty? Do you see yourself as ugly? Do you see yourself as strong? Do you see yourself as weak? Do you see yourself as capable or incompetent? Do you see yourself as important or irrelevant, talented or useless, part of something or alone, how do you see yourself? If abundant life is there for the taking and you don't think you can get it, are you going to be able to grab hold of it? If you believe, well, that's not for me, that's for the, that's for the favored few, that's a lie. Reject that lie. Let's grab on to the truth. Now, yeah, we're just going to move forward. <clears throat> we're going to cover just a whole bunch of different things, you know? Because, you know, everybody in here is a different person dealing with different stuff, and God needs to share something different with each one of us so that we can take our step forward. And so this is a difficult thing to preach on because I'm preaching on the inner you, <laughs> How you see the inner you and how to get you making progress with that. And everybody is a different person. That's a challenge. So I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do some work. And we'll see where we get by the time this is over. But I think one of the things that's important for all of us is we need to learn to love ourselves. We need to be in the place... Or we can look in the mirror 
and say, I'm okay with that guy. I'm okay with that lady. We need to get to that place. Let's read in Matthew chapter 22 where uh, a teacher, a smart religious person, saw something good in Jesus and wanted to ask him a question and asked him, what's the most important rule to follow? That's a good question. And we see the answer. Chapter 22. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, that is, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's always interesting when Jesus answers a different question than what he was asked. He didn't answer the question, what is the greatest commandment? He answered, what is the greatest and what is the second? And then he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. So when he answers a different question than the one that is asked, he's basically saying, you didn't quite exactly ask the right question, but I'm going to give you all the information anyway. So here you go. So he says, love God with all of what you've got. And then love your neighbor. How? As yourself. What if you hate yourself? What if you don't like yourself? What if you've got an inner pain and you just resent the fact that you were born you? That's going to throw a monkey wrench in this whole deal, isn't it? (laughs) Because, and I've heard people say that. Well, then I should punch everyone. Because I don't like me. Well, that's not abundant life, is it? One of the most important parts of getting abundant life is coming to peace with who you are. It's it's huge. Coming to peace with who you are. Then we can go from there. Now, there are 7 billion people on this planet. 7 billion. That's a lot of people. Are you just one of 7 billion? Or are you one of a kind? The answer is yes. (laughs) You You are one of 7 billion. So it's not all on your shoulders. Right? There's other people there to carry some of the load too. But you're one of a kind. I remember in elementary school, I think they were talking about the world population and all the, you know, all the people that have lived in the past and that sort of a thing. And, and I thought to myself, okay, there's billions of people on the planet and billions of people have lived in the past. And I wasn't any of those billions that lived before. And I'm none of those other billions that live around the world. But here I am. You know, I don't know how I got here, but I am I'm seeing my hands. I'm conscious. I'm one of the people. I thought, this is great. I get to be one of the people. That is just so neat. And I was just excited about it. Well, when I came home from school. Yeah, I was a kid. (laughs) And I just thought, what an amazing opportunity. 
And I didn't believe in God in that time, so I thought, well, I'll live 50 years, I'll live 80 years, I don't know how long I'll live, but this is awesome! I get to be one of the people. And then after that, I found out about eternal life. We have the opportunity to live forever in the paradise of God. Oh my goodness, this is incredible. What an amazing opportunity we have in front of us. I don't know how we got here. I mean, I got, a, I got the Sunday school answer for you. God, you know. That's what, but I, here we are. How that, you know, it's amazing. It's an incredible, incredible opportunity. And we need to grab a hold of it. We need to realize we were created by God for a reason. Fearfully and wonderfully made. In His image. We're significant. We're important. One of a kind and one of billions. It's amazing. To love yourself, you need to get to know yourself. That can be more difficult than it may seem. To love yourself, you need to get to know yourself accurately. You need to understand who you are correctly. Let me ask you this uh, somewhat unpleasant question. What lies about yourself have you believed in the past? What lies about yourself have you believed? You know, the you're not good enough. You don't belong here. Whatever those things are. What did someone say to you? That you believed, but it wasn't true. When I became a Christian, I got saved when I was 19 and really started going to church in my 20s, that sort of a thing. And, and uh, um, I didn't fit in very well at church. Um, <clears throat> and the devil would whisper in my ear, you do not belong here. And the problem was that I believed it. I believed I didn't belong. I believed I didn't fit in. I'd go to church. They'd sing songs I'd never heard before in my life. They'd stand up. I don't know why they're standing up. They'd sit down. I don't know what's going on. I had no idea what was happening. I'd ask questions and people would just get mad at me. You know, they didn't, they didn't want to talk about those questions. They were afraid. And I, I didn't care. You know, <laughs> But... I knew I wasn't fitting in. It wasn't, it wasn't quite working. And so I felt like, these are not my people. This is not where I belong. I don't know where I fit. Because I didn't fit where I used to fit. I didn't fit in the church world either. But that was a lie, right? Because I belong here. You belong here. If we believe in Jesus, we're part of the body of Christ, whether we want to be or not. And nobody can say, quit thinking that thought or quit asking that question because we still belong. I'm glad to belong. I'd ask terrible questions. I, I asked Trinette if I could share this one. but Because, um, you know, I was uh, in my 20s, I was a long-haired, bum-looking, uh, you know, philosophy student going to church. That's a... You know, they, the church people get real nervous around people like that. 
And so, you know, I'd ask all kinds of terrible questions. And again, they'd just get mad at me. But one of the things I told Trinette when we were, I think, very first married or maybe even still dating. I can't even remember. It was early on. But I told her, you know, I don't care who's right. I don't care if the Mormons are right, the Jehovah's Witnesses are right, the Catholics are right. I don't care who's right. Whoever's right, we're going with them. And, you know, that makes the good little Christian girl kind of nervous because what's this guy going to come up with? You know, like, hey, you, as long as whatever I grew up in is what you think is right, I'm good with you. But you, you know what I mean? Like, so that, now you can understand why the church people were nervous around me. But, but isn't that what we want? We just want to seek the truth, right? We just want to know what's, what's actually going on. Let's hook up with that. Let's not defend the lie we've believed. And hang on to that. Just let it all go. Find out who God is. Find out who we are. And go forward with that. A verse that I think is helpful with that is James 1.19. James 1.19 gives us a wonderful abundant life skill. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen means pay attention. Look around. Listen. Observe. Figure it out. But once you start talking, you stop learning. Right? If you notice that, once you start talking, you're no longer observing. You're no longer learning. You're no longer trying to figure out what's going on. Now you're defending your position. Now you're saying, here's what's going on. And the learning stops. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to become angry. Oh, man. Because those emotions will just shut the brain right off. And you won't be able to see what's really going on. Know yourself. Here's the next mean question. What lies about yourself do you still believe? Because do you think all of them have been revealed to you and you've conquered them all? Or are there maybe some misconceptions that you still have? What lies about yourself do you still believe? Wouldn't it be nice to get past those? We're going to have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry to find those things. Another thing that's important for the right self-image is when you're born again, when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to, to make you a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. You are born again, a new creature, a new creation. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Here's an abundant life skill. Quit trying to fix the old. Just let it be gone. The you of the past that you've been forgiven for, don't try to fix it. Just let it go. But embrace the new. Go to the new creation. Go there. 
Grab hold of that. Because the fact of the matter is you can't fix the old. It's just a mess. That's why God created the system the way he did, so that we could lay that down and be done with it and not have to try to fix it. Just say, wow, that was messed up. I made my mistakes and let it go. But embrace the new. It says such nice things in my notes. You know, I'm a nice guy. I look at my notes and I think, that's not very nice. Um, We've been doing the whole, you got to love yourself, man, part for about 10 minutes now. You know there's another side to that coin? There's the, I am the greatest human being in the whole world and you're all losers, right? That's that's a... That's a wrong understanding as well. You're going to have to let go of pride in order to have a right self-image. Um, verse, well, you, hopefully you knew that already, but 1 Peter 5.5, 5, this is an important one for us to get a hold of. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Come on. Oh. Yeah. I love the Bible. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. How far are you going to get if God is opposing you? That's not, that's, you? You're no match, right? If God opposes the proud and we're proud, then we're opposed. Now let me talk about pride a little bit because it, we use that in different ways and there's a, there's a way that in our culture we use the word pride, which is perfectly fine. You know, like, for example, have pride in your work. That's good, right? Um, so here's the deal. Here's how we need to understand this. Confidence is fine. Excellence is fine. Arrogance is not. It's about how who you are causes you to view other people. You can be the best at something in the world and not be prideful if it doesn't cause you to think less of other people. It's about still loving your neighbor. It's about still caring about other people. Maybe they're not as good at basketball as you are. But if you still love them, maybe they're not as, as good at geography. Maybe they're whatever. But realizing, okay, you can be the best person in the world at something and still be humble. Those aren't contradictory. So it's about arrogance, pushing other people down. The point of this is that that coin that has self-hatred on one side, insecurity and fear on the other side is arrogance and pride. That whole coin is, this is all about me, right? Take that coin and just chuck it in Lake Superior and be done with it. 
Because the fact of the matter is, the world does not revolve around you. You are not the center of the universe. And if you think you are, if that's how you see reality, you're living in a very, very small, sad world. And you're the only one who sees the world that way. Because no one else thinks you're the center of the universe. Simple fact. So that, that self-centeredness, that egocentrism, we just have to get rid of it. If it's, I hate myself, all I'm doing is thinking about how much I hate myself, that needs to go. I'm so much better than everybody else, they're all pathetic losers, that's got to go. Quit thinking about yourself so much. You're not the center of the universe. Let that go, then you can enter into a great big world. And it's an awesome place. But you got to let yourself go. One of the things that's important for us to understand as individuals is that when we submit ourselves to God, we grab hold of an authority and a power that is magnificent. And you are someone significant. James 4, 7 is humongous. Says this, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now if God opposes the proud, and we're proud, then we're in trouble because we're going to lose. How about if the devil comes after you when you're a believer? Resist the devil, and he will flee. Which word is the most true? The one that says, oh, if I really give myself over to the Lord's work fully, the enemy is going to kick my butt. Or the one that says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The one you believe is going to be the most powerful, but this is the one that's the most true because the other one is a lie. As a believer, you are part of something significant. In the United States, we like to be individuals, you know, rugged, my own man, pull myself up by my own bootstraps. That's not the Bible concept. The Bible concept is the body of Christ, each one of us a piece of it, supported by the whole, but doing our own function. Let's read that, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and that you is plural, all y'all. All y'all. See, it's functional to talk like that because they can make the plural noticeable. So all y'all are the body of Christ, and each one of you individually is a part of it. We are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a piece of that. We all have a stake in it. We all belong. You're not a lone ranger. You're part of something bigger than who you are when you believe in the Lord. Another thing that seems to be universal to the human condition is you will hit roadblocks in your path that you think are insurmountable, but they're not. When I was a a young preacher guy, I was going to a, a prayer meeting with some of the big wig guys, you know, the, 
there's a pastor there, 5,000 people in his church, and there was a, the head of the Minnesota District of the Assemblies of God, you know, like the, the top guy. And I had this little church, and we were having some financial issues. We had a down payment for a property we were going to buy, but then we things got tough, and we ended up not having the down payment anymore because it got spent on regular expenses and that sort of a thing. And, and life was tough, you know. We were putting putting groceries on a credit card and that whole deal. And now the people that were selling the property that we needed to buy were like, now's the time, give me the down payment money. I'm like, I don't have the money, I don't know what to do. And I was just beat up and, and like in trouble, you know, in my heart. And so I went to this prayer meeting and the big guys were there. And so I went up to the big guys, you know, the, the pillars of the faith, the strong men of God. And I said, I need prayer. You know, we're at the prayer meeting. I need you guys to pray for me. We've got this situation and used to have the money, but now we don't. And this is all coming together. And then they looked at me and they started to laugh. And they said, oh, you got financial trouble, do you? Patted me on the shoulder and walked away. They didn't even pray for me. You know, they said, oh, you got financial issues in your church. Really? Okay, well, we'll see you. You know, it was like, oh, big shock. You know, did you not know that was going to be how it is? Is basically what they were saying. I thought this was a big tragedy. And they were saying, this is how it works for everybody. Just realize you're going to come up against these roadblocks. It's normal. You'll get through it. We don't even need to pray for you. And they didn't pray for me. (laughs) And we got through it. I thought it was a huge roadblock. But it was just normal. I wish that wasn't normal. But it is. That's how it goes. I'm going to share one more thing as I invite the ushers to come up and hand out the communion elements. Um, We're going to take communion here. And uh, everyone is free to receive communion at Good Hope Church. Just make it real between you and God. Don't let this be something where you're going through the motions because here we are in church, but uh, we're not going to check your card or whatever and see if you're that sort of deal. But go ahead and take communion if you want to. If you don't want to, just pass. But make it real. Make it something real. One more thing I want to cover about who you are and uh, understanding the truth is this. You were bought with a price. There's a price that was paid for you. Let's read that verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And this is America, right? This is unconstitutional. I'm, I'm free. This is the land of the free. Nobody owns me. I tell you, a price was paid for you. A price was paid. And these elements represent that price. I hope you see yourself as valuable. 
But if somebody's willing to pay a price for something, the going saying is, well, then that's what it's worth. If people will pay $5 for it, it's worth $5. If people will pay $100 for it, it's worth $100. If people will pay $10,000 for it, it's worth $10,000. You find a diamond in the ground, it doesn't matter how long it took you to find it or anything, it might be worth tens of thousands of dollars. It took you three minutes. You can work for years and write a book. It might be terrible. It's worth nothing. It doesn't matter how much time and effort you put into it. It's what will people pay that determine the value. So what was the price that was paid for you that determines your value? This is the price. The blood of Jesus. The sacrifice of the Son of God for your redemption, for your salvation, to buy you back from sin so that you, with everything you've done, with all the wrong things you've thought, all the hurt you've caused, so that you could be made new clothed in the righteousness of the Lord himself and worthy to enter into the kingdom of God this is the price paid for you oh that you could see your value in the blood of Christ we're going to pray together then we're going to receive communion I'm going to have the prayer team come up and as we finish that. There will be time for personal prayer up front. But let's just, let's just give thanks for what our Lord has done for us. Heavenly Father, I give you praise and I honor you. And I thank you that you have shown us our true value in the price that you have paid. Lord, help us to see who we are in you. We just give you praise. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the sacrifice and the price that you paid. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ which was broken for you. This is the blood of Christ which was shed for you. Oh, thank you, Lord. You are so good. All right, prayer team, if you would come down, I'm just going to close the service and invite people down for personal prayer. If you've got a prayer need, whatever it is, of course, we all have prayer needs. It's just whether or not you want to come down for prayer. Um, we receive not because we ask not. Let's ask and receive. But let's just close. Let's close first. Oh, oh Lord, we do honor you. We thank you. You are so good. I pray over this group of people right now that they would be able to see who they are through your eyes. Lord, that they would know their value so that they could love themselves in the right way that all the lies would be shown to be lies and that your truth would shine forth. 
So bless us in that way. Encourage us and give us strength. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Come on down, receive personal prayer. Receive good things from God. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.